Well, happy Father's Day to everyone. I can't believe it's already here. Oh, I feel like we were just wondering where the snowplow guy was, and here we are already at Father's Day, huh? <laughs> yep. Well, I like to start, just kind of transition a little, by helping you out with some terminology. Thesaurus, the man thesaurus, to explain to you some synonymous terms, some things just so you know man speak, I guess, a little bit better. If a man ever says these things, here's what they really mean. It would take too long to explain. What the man really means is I have no idea how that works. <laughs> if a man ever says, take a break, dear, you're working too hard, what he's saying is, I can't hear the television. Please stop. If a man ever says, sure, honey, or yes, dear, I don't think they were listening. <laughs> I just don't, right? I just don't. If a guy ever says, I cut myself a little bit, no big deal. Chances are they either need stitches or surgery, and they're not going to let on. If a guy says, I can't find it, what he means is it did not fall into my outstretched hand and I do not know what to do at the moment. <laughs> if a guy says, I heard you, it's not a statement as much as it is a hidden plea for you not to ask what you just said to them. If a guy says, I'm not lost, I know exactly where we are, you'll never be seen again. <laughs> it's just... You're lost. A man says, I don't remember saying that. What they mean is anything I may have said six months ago is inadmissible into this conversation. In fact, all conversation expires within seven days. It is null and void. Two more. That's not what I meant. If a man says that, what they really mean is, if something can be interpreted in two ways, and one of those ways will make you angry, I did not mean that one. That's what it means. And finally, if a man asks, what color is this? It's because, as men, let me explain it this way. You know those big boxes of crayons that kids get in preschool, like the ones that are too big to eat, that are like eight colors? That's the only colors we as guys know. Peach is a fruit. It is not a color. Pumpkin, we don't know. It's fruit or vegetable, but that's not a color. And if you say taupe, we're like, yeah, we don't know. It's just what guys do. Digging in a little bit today, I'll be transitioning here to something serious because I do that sometimes. It's not easy being a guy sometimes. Okay, ladies, if you just rolled your eyes, no, it's for real. Being a man of God, it can be tough at times. But to every man here, I'm going to say, you can do it. You can do this. The biblical role of a man, as it is laid out, is to lead. It's to protect. It's to provide. But the key, when you say biblically, is that all of these things are done in a sacrificial way. The world would say this. That man, you are the problem. Your masculinity is toxic. Your insistence on providing help is really called mansplaining. 
I heard a term the other day, it was called man spreading, and it means when you sit down and you take up more room than just your seat because you're egotistical and you need all the space to yourself. And the fact is, I have not heard the garbage media say one positive thing about masculinity in the past several years. It's truth. But here's a God fact. Your masculinity is not an indictment. It is a calling. It is a priesthood. It is a mantle. It is a 24-7 thing. God's man walking in God's way consistently will cause those around him to profoundly flourish. There is a point in every man's life where he feels like he can do anything. I was talking to someone the other day. They are a middle school teacher. And when they meet with young kids, young kids are always like, I am going to be a professional football player. I am going to be a doctor. I'm going to be an airline pilot. But then there are points in some men's life when we come to it and we feel like we're just crawling. We're just getting through. Here is my charge to you, men. Live a life that is worth imitating. Because life has a way through the big things and the small things to try to get us to forget who God is, who God made us to be, our role in everything. But culture does not define who you are. The word of God defines who you are. It is clear from the beginning he has defined who we are. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Genesis 5.2, he created them male and female. He blessed them. He called them mankind in the day they were created. Matthew 19.4, Jesus said, have you not read from the beginning the creator made them male and female? Mark 10.6, however, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. God is clear on what he has done. He is clear on how he has laid it out to us as stewards what we're supposed to do. And now it's time to take it where it needs to go. There is a saying, any man can be a father, but it takes a real man to be a dad. Paul finds himself, 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, in almost a dad place spiritually. And he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. As I imitate Christ, I have not arrived yet. You have not arrived yet. But along the way, we can say as men, we are not perfect yet, but we are chasing Jesus Christ. There are going to be not so great days, but people need to see us during those not so great days. They need to see us on the mountaintop and they need to see us in the valley consistently. I can say, imitate me if I was Paul, because I know who I follow. Paul wasn't just speaking words because he thought he was popular. He knew who guided him. He spoke with a boldness because he was saying, you can count on me because I'm not going to tap out. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stay with this. And so when I say, watch me, it may get ugly at times, but watch me. I am going to do my best for Jesus Christ. If you as the man of God given the charge are not willing to step up, it is for certain that someone or something will. When it comes to the home that you are placed over, if you do not step up, something will come along and begin to define them. I say this because someone needs to hear it. 
you are intimidated because it's not so much about looking the part as acting the part, as being God's man. You look around and you're intimidated because you don't seem to fit in with whatever the cookie cutter model that you think a man of God should be. But God has created you uniquely. He has gifted you uniquely. He needs you to be true to the man that he has created you to be because people need to see that. There are some things that are specific giftings. There are people in our church that are so gifted. God has gifted Kim Zinni with the gift of hospitality. I mean, it is a gift. I'm reminded of this. When my daughter was young and we took her to the doctor and she was having massive abdominal pain. We are with Lake Health Group and our pediatricians, there's like three of them that are together. And when we took her in that day, her doctor was not there. The second doctor was not there. There was an older doctor there. His name was Dr. Lucker. He was a pediatrician when I was young. Dr. Lucker listened to what was going on. He ordered some testing. The test came back, and he looked over the test. And do you know what he said then? He's like, I've got a gut feeling. See, it was the consistency of doing what he had done that brought him to a place where he could question a several million dollar machine to say, I think I know what's going on. And that night, my daughter's life was saved. Truthfully, because someone went with their gut. There's that same spiritual God thing that there's going to be times he says, go with your gut. You got a gut feeling about this? That's the Holy Spirit who's urging you maybe to march in a different way. In 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul says to this Timothy, he says, be an example to believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Right before that, he said, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Well, maybe I need to just say to someone here that's a man, don't let anyone look down on you because you've only been a Christian for a couple of months. Don't let anyone look down on you because of your past. Don't let anyone look down on you because, like, insert whatever excuse here, but don't let people look down. You have a charge from God. You're to be an example to all the believers. Now, at tens on Father's Day, we act like, you know, the dads need to be an example to all those that are under them. The truth is there are people in this church, man, that are older than you that need to see you being an example. There are people who changed my diapers who still go to this church. And I owe it to them to chase Jesus because that's what they raised me to do. And they need to see that. Now, while there are certain giftings that some people have just got that gift, there are some things that are available to all of us. A life of holiness will lead to a deeper intimacy. A consistent walk will allow others to see exactly how God works in the life of a Christian, of a believer, through the highs and lows. A consistent presence. Men are often accused of having addictive personalities. And by that, we tend to just like highs and lows, highs and lows. God's calling us to a consistency, a consistent growth. Consistency can't be rushed. It's an investment of your very life. Now, here's something. 
I may rock someone's church wagon a little bit. It's all right. It's under warranty. (laughs) That statement, don't look at me, look at Jesus. Like, have you ever heard someone say that? Yeah, I mean, that's cool. It sounds good, but here's the thing. Are we saying it because we're being self-deprecating or because we don't look that much like Jesus that we don't want people to pay attention to us? Because God's man walking God's way will point right to Jesus Christ every time. God's man walking God's way can be like, look at me and I hope you see him. Look at me and you're going to see him. Look at me and I will give witness to the Father. That, that's a deep thing. That is called integrity of your walk. And sometimes I feel that we can put it off and we can say, you know what? God has put you here as his representative. Walk in that authority. Paul finds himself in this position of a father. In 1 Corinthians 10, he says that people should follow his example as he wants to put himself second and put other people first. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul will go on to say that he understands the authority structure of God, that he understands that he walks in authority. But here's a key. Just because you are a man and just because you are in the church does not mean that people should follow you unless you are imitating Christ. That's a tough one. I mean, that goes for me, that goes from the top down in this house. If I'm doing things that don't imitate Christ, don't do those things. Do what God calls us to do. Every time that I pick the Bible up, I'm blessed to read about people who were given opportunity to live out who they are in Jesus Christ through different seasons. Some people did a great job. Some people did an okay job. Some people just kind of dropped the ball. But it's good to read those things because you think, I want to know what God can do in this season. When I was finishing up my degree, there was a book that I was given to read, and it was called The Nurture Assumption. And it was a psychology book, and it had to do with nature versus nurture. I believe that there are innate qualities that God has placed within a man, and I believe there are innate qualities that he has placed within women. I believe that he has done that by design. Okay, a little quiz. Let's see. Okay, do you know what that is? Uh, It's great. Check you out. Like mutual of Omaha, identifying baby lion up there, huh? Here's a true thing. A lion is born a lion. But here's something different, and it goes deeper. A lion through modeling, through play, through the parents showing it how to hunt, how to pounce, how to stalk, learns how to be a lion. I say that because in order for those around us to learn biblical manhood, biblical womanhood, they need to see someone to imitate. They need to see someone that reminds them of who they are. They need to know that when it's dark, there's going to be someone who's going to be there before them. Because the truth is, to grow into that, they need to have it modeled for them to truly become all that they can be in Jesus Christ. 
as a man, you're to lead, you're to protect, you're to provide. Providing isn't just about paying the bills. Protecting isn't about jumping up at night and getting that little Indian's baseball bat that you keep beside the bed. At the heart of manhood, it's about giving your presence. It's about being present. There are two people in the Bible that I will quickly tell you about. One would be Adam. In Genesis 2, 21 through 22, we read that the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed the place up. And from that, he made woman, and he brought her to the man. So when you look up these wordings there, rib, you know, actually meaning side, it is where all your vital components are kept. One time I was at camp, and I smarted off to a girl in line, and she turned around, and she punched me right where my vital organs were. (laughs) And it knocked the wind out of me. I do not recommend it. From that point on, guard up, I guess. That was long ago. Kids were different then. From the beginning, man, you have had a calling and you are honored to give God presence. See, Eve was from man's side, from man's self. It was something that God did purposely. God could have made her any way that he wanted. But he said, this is something that is core. I never want you to forget the unity. I never want you to forget how I put things together. When it came to Joseph, Jesus' earthly father. In Matthew 1, 19 through 21, after hearing the news of what was going to happen, it says this, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. He was there to provide. He was there to provide name. He was there to provide presence. He was there to provide protection. He was there to provide that husband role. Whenever we do weddings and you hear those vows, I, Tim, take thee, Kim, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. See, every one of those things requires presence. It requires presence. Not just being in the same room, but being there when those things go down. When it gets dark, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be present in crisis. I'm going to be present in the mundane. I'm going to be present in relationship. I'm going to be present as part of a church because that's the person that you married, and that's what sets your heart on fire, and that's what God wants me to be, and that's what I'm going to chase. I learned that as a man, if I don't plan things, they don't happen. John Sweet, I have been wanting to get together with you for lunch for the past month. If I don't plan it, has it happened? Nope. That's on me. It's on me, John. You must be intentional as planning. Planning your presence. Our temptation as men and what culture would preach to you is stay out of the way. Stay out of the way. I saw a commercial the other day, and it was a family around a campfire. And the mom was helping the kids with the s'mores. Camp counselor was there doing something. All these people. You know where the dad was? They had him on a bench in the back with like a ukulele. The message being, stay out of the way, man. 
get back. Let everyone else do what they need to do. You need to plan your presence. When it comes to shepherding, a shepherd would intentionally place himself at the gate or door of the fold. That was his role. Knowing, I know that the sheep are this way, and I know that all the things that would come to harm them are that way, and I'm not going to move an inch. I say this because some man needs to get fired up about the role that God has placed you in. See, we know from David that he had a sling, that he had a rod and a staff, and a sling is a ranged weapon. And so when the enemy tries to come in, when the enemy like breaks barrier proximity coming in, you know that that shepherd would just be lighting him up. And if that enemy would cover ground and got close enough, then that shepherd would take out, you know, the rod and the staff, like going ninja turtle on them right there. But when that kind of fight's going on, you know that that shepherd was looking that bear, looking that lion right in the eyes as he's dishing that out. Someone needs to say, devil, as God's man, I'm watching you. I've got my eye on you. You're going to feel the sting when you try to come around the things that God has placed me over. And if you try to draw closer, oh my. Saw that sign one day that said that door was locked for your protection, not mine. And that's how I feel with the enemy. Should he come and try to come into the fold that he has placed me over? Oh my. If it is the fold in my home, the enemy better be wearing Kevlar. When it comes to spiritual matters, we don't play. We don't play. It's never too late to formulate a plan. I was reading about Todd Beamer. Todd Beamer from September 11th on Flight 93. Todd Beamer's wife was pregnant. Todd could have left the night before, but he chose to stay with her. He went and he got on his plane. The plane left 42 minutes late because of delays. When it became apparent that something had happened mid-flight, Todd Beamer, who was a Christian, gathered the other people and began to formulate the plan. As they formulated that plan, he did two things that you may not know. Number one is he quoted Psalm 23. Number two is he led them in the Lord's Prayer. And then in that moment, taking up that role as a shepherd, Todd Beamer took down the wolves. What you may not know is that plane was only 20 minutes away from its target. I say that and it speaks to me in a spiritual sense because I don't have all the time in the world to grow into whatever man I think I should be before God uses me. Now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the time to come through. You can look at everything going wrong around you and maybe that was your for such a time as this. You were placed there to begin to turn the tide in Jesus Christ. Maybe, just maybe. The plan will always lead to presence. question for you is how much presence do you give when it comes to the gate when it comes to our shepherding role are you on guard or are you just sleeping there Ephesians 5 14 awake oh sleeper I feel in my heart that when it comes to shepherding either the clothing and the tools of a shepherd are my uniform or they're my costume. 
every morning when I was in that private school, I got up. You know what I was wearing? Navy blue pants and a powder blue shirt. Navy blue pants, powder blue shirt. It was my uniform. But if you're only busting out the shepherd's costume once or twice a year, I can promise you that things may not go the way that you think they will. An important thing that both Adam and Joseph did, was they provided naming. And as a man, you are here to provide your presence and to provide a name. Adam was tasked with naming the animals. And we can look at that and say it's a very cute thing that went on, but it was a very deliberate thing. It was a very God-ordained thing. It was way too important to call cute. It was consequential. See, what Adam did when he started that is he set off this biblical thing about naming and dynamic naming and speaking future over those that would be named. From that point on, the standard was set. You are called to provide a name, men. You are called to step into a situation and give good name and give God name to it. We need to see outside of ourselves and say there's something there. There's something there. Just like Adam, there are some kids in this church, and they are wild. And you, as a man, are called to give name to them, to give God name to them, to say, oh, the places that that one's going to go in Jesus Christ. Oh, the things that they're going to do. Because there is a fire that maybe only you would see. Engage in that reality. When Eve is created, Adam gets almost poetic in the moment and saying, Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman. It wasn't a control thing. It was a closeness thing. It was a perception thing of seeing the unique giftings that God had placed in her. When she was named Eve, the mother of all mankind, it was honoring what woman is and what woman is going to be and how man can come alongside and lift her up. Just as you have the power to pass along identity for the good, you can also, men, pass it along for the bad. As much as I can speak blessing, I can speak cursing. And I need to be careful when I do that. Mary was given the privilege of carrying a king. Joseph was given the privilege of officially giving name to that king. Joseph's told, this is my son. You're to name him Jesus. Imagine that moment when things came together and he officially, this is the baby, this is Jesus, this, and all the things that came from that. Man, your call as a protector, it comes from God. Your call as a provider, it comes from God. Your call to give identity, it comes from God. But none of it's possible without you being present. When God placed Adam in the garden, you think of all the things that he had to do, and it sounds like a busy thing. But when you look at the wording that's used there, being placed means the same thing as a Sabbath rest. He placed him there knowing there was a lot to do, but he placed him there knowing that there was a peace and a rest with coming from doing the things that God had called him to do. I'm going to close. As I do, whoever you are, I remember years ago, Dale Workman, he had a vision for men to open services at church. And Dale was one of my biggest 
supporters still calls me, lets me know how good the food is where he is and what's going on, and still looks 55 years old. When Dale would approach men sometimes to open the service, you would see fear just wash over them. What? Speak in front of people? And it made me sad just because I thought there's no more loving family than this church family. And sometimes there is no bigger step than coming up these steps and doing what God tells you to do. And I want to encourage right now, whoever you are as a man, you are enough to do the task that God has set before you. You're enough. There may be years behind you. Back there. We can't spend our time looking at all that. What we can do is say, God, what do you have in store? What's going to happen? And some of the greatest God moments that you may have, and I was just talking to someone about this not long ago, are going to come in you going forward when the devil tells you to turn around. Your children need to see it. Your church needs to see it. And so my challenge on this Father's Day is this. Shake off the old. Do not allow the new to intimidate you. You have a good father who is not so distant that he's not walking right beside you every step of the way. Everything is set to bring him glory. Just step into it. Just step into it. If you'll stand, here's what I need. I need the men down here. Come on down. A couple things that go on. You know, in the Bible, before people were sent, there was laying on of hands, there was this anointing, there was this affirming who they are. Here's the truth. The devil hates men unified. The devil hates men holding one another up. The devil hates when a man texts another man saying, I was praying for you this morning. Is everything cool? He hates it. You know what builds an army of God? Consistency. Here's what I would ask right now. I'm not going to come to each of you. There's enough of us right here. Every man, hand on the shoulder of the man beside them. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. When you pray for that man beside you, pray that God would do things that he has never done before in that person's life. Pray for revival. Pray for fire. 
Pray that that dad would see himself as the leader God called him to be. Pray that all of the things that the devil tries to whisper would be shut out by what God himself has said and declared. Ladies, pray for these men. Healthy men, healthy church, healthy community. Father, right now I bring these men before you because see, this is your army. These are the men that you have placed in this church. And so many times we speak about those heroes of faith that were in this church, that did things like show up consistently, that did things like pick up the Bible and teach kids out of it, that did things like when people came to the altar, had their hand on their back to pray for God's best. And right now I pray your blessing would fall in a way that it never has before. I pray that these men, that there would be words like encouragement in their heart, that the God dream would be stirred up once again that they would know that it's never too late it is never too late as long as there is breath there is hope on this side of glory and I pray Lord that you would pour extreme blessing upon them I speak wisdom over them I speak patience over them I speak a confidence that they have never had I pray against anything that society has tried to saddle them with. I pray about this relent, back-off garbage that society has preached. And Lord, right now I say that these men, not out of ego, but out of an extreme unction, out of a fire, out of those things that you had stirred, will begin to go the places that you call them to go. In the name of Jesus, we speak it, we claim it, 